0: This is the Australian Mobile DJ Podcast. In this series, we'll talk to them, get to know them, and learn from them. And here's your host, DJ Bevo.
1: Well, hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Australian Mobile DJ Podcasts. Like the introduction said, my name is DJ Bevo, and welcome. I've got a little Facebook group called the Australian Mobile DJs Facebook Group, and you are more than welcome to join us on there. It's a great little tool, because... So many of us have uh, met up in person and learnt lots and gone to others' gigs, and it's been a really good uh, learning experience for DJs far and wide. We've invited people from international uh, borders to come to Australia for what we call the DJAA Conference. It's an annual event. And my first guest is one of the key organizers from the DJAA. He's got a company called DJ Plus Entertainment in Sydney, Serge Olivieri. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, Bebo.
1: How are you this afternoon? You well? You good?
0: Very well and and trying to stay COVID-free.
1: Oh, well, yes, it it is that time of year where we're all um, hibernating and doing lots of online streaming when it comes to DJing because, well, we can't perform in front of audiences, but that's slowly being relaxed around the country, which is always good for our bank balances at least anyway.
0: Yes, so hopefully uh, we'll all be back um, doing events in the very near future.
1: Absolutely. So let's uh, go back to where it all started for young Serge, who was a DJ, and he got his start by accident, I believe, Serge.
0: Correct. Um, I used to be part of a youth group uh, when I was, about, oh, from when I was about 15, but the, the, I didn't start DJing until probably I was about 17, 18. And um, we used to run uh, events once a month and in those days is the 70s, early 70s, so it was uh, rock bands. And we used to put a rock band on uh, for you know, something for the kids to do, the local used something to do once a month, basically. Um, when Saturday Night Fever hit, they were wanting a DJ, so we were putting on a DJ between band sets. And funnily enough, we were paying that DJ more than we were paying some of the bands, um, and uh, the committee that we had decided that uh, maybe one of us could do it. And uh, I got voted on to do that because I had the biggest record collection. That was my qualification. <laughs> and that was it. And so I started uh, sort of blending tunes between band sets. Thrilled really in know to to mix. Um, went and did, of course, tried to teach me how to mix. Um, but it was, there was no desire to ever do DJing. It was just, you know, for the youth club. Uh, but after a number of months, the people started coming, up, oh, do you do birthday parties?
1: Do you do this? Do you do that?
0: And I thought, oh, yeah, this is a way I could earn some extra money. And that's how it started.
1: Wow, what a story. Um, and, of course, you, more than anyone else, would have seen a, a huge change in technology over the years and um, the weight of equipment when it comes to lugging it around. Um, tell us what you used to use back in the day. Sorry, say that again? What equipment did you use back in the day? Like we could compare today's rigs to the early rigs of the SDI. Yeah,
0: the SDA the were damn heavy. Those speakers were <laughs> heavy. <laughs> uh, they weigh a ton, seriously. Um, you virtually couldn't carry them upstairs on your own. You needed two people. Um, like I, I had um, turntables, obviously. I didn't have the top of the line initially because I didn't have any money to buy any gear. Uh, or proper gear so I bought second hand gear and some of my stuff was homemade by someone else um, you know so I started off with that and as I made some money I bought professional gear and, and went from there but it was very basic in those days you now you had the, the flashing uh, traffic lights basically when <laughs> everybody had that and turntables um, records again more weight lots of records LPs and singles and the sort i still have those taking up a lot of room in my garage but uh
1: yeah what was the um the big tunes of the era when you started out what were the big dance floor hits that got people up dancing
0: oh like i said i started when the saturday night fever thing was around so it was all the bgs and uh you know donna Summer and uh, i don't know but these precise tune. you know and i don't even Anyway, remember Santa Santa Esmeralda They had this thing called uh, "Never Let Me, Me Misunderstood," which went for the whole side of the album, and you'd play the whole side of the album. Wow. <laughs> it was six, it was like a twenty-something odd minute track, um, that, and that's yeah. You know, you'd have your toilet break on that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, for twenty-eight minutes, it's kind of like Jive Buddy in the Meg, uh, mega mixes. I don't know if you remember that. Master mixes—that's what it was. Yeah. But I came yeah, out
0: but it, was, it was like this, Yeah, it was, it was a, like a, a Latin type of feel to it with a disco beat and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And the, what was the other one? Um, Andre, uh, Antonio Rodriguez and La Bamba. They were, oh, again, that was. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, I don't know if anyone remembers that one, but that that, that was another one. That you played a whole lot, and they, they you know, you have to play it twice. <laughs> right.
1: Um, I wonder if but, um you've, you've, you you could have like a a retro night where the original DJ from I don't know whatever the the nightclub or the youth club was you're in um wants to go back to that era you'd be the man to book wouldn't wouldn't you like um, oh, yeah, I don't know about that
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean when I, I was I, 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 but, uh, I the funny thing was that um the way I got my name at the time because I wasn't DJ plus then um were uh, you DJ negative. No, I wasn't. I wasn't even, I, 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 I wasn't even uh, positive or anything. Uh, but uh, um, um, some, when that person came up and asked me, "Do you do birthday parties or you know other events?" and uh, I said no, I hadn't thought of you, but yeah, I said, "Yeah, I, I can do that." He said, "What are you called?" And I didn't have a name because I didn't have a business, you know. And uh, I flipped around and I don't know what the, the, the single was at the, I can't think of it at the moment. I should go have a look, but. Um, yeah, you, know, you had twelve-inch single, and I, had, I was up on an album. I had a speaker from the album Rampage, and I said, like, "Oh, Rampage! That sounds terrific." I said, "Rampage Disco," and that was it. That stuck. Oh wow. I do um, recall
1: seeing um, uh, Surge's Rampage Disco page many years ago before the DJ Plus yep. Entertainment brand.
0: Yeah, it was called uh, Rampage Disco Show, actually. Okay, yep. and and there, was, and there was a reason because I didn't want to just DJ because yeah. they like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, the first few events. I just played music, yeah, uh, and I didn't do those very well, and I wasn't charging enough, and I lost money because the time I, cause I was hiring gear then. Yeah, I told my hired gear and picked it up and dropped it off. I wasn't making any money and buying music and all that sort of stuff. So I worked out after about four events that I needed to charge more. Yeah, and I've ma- and I've maintained that ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Um, um, but um, I wanted to be something different, so I called it a show, so it forced me to do something. So. So, um, so let's explore we, that we, a bit
1: more. Um, when it comes to a show, obviously um, it, there's visual aspects in, involved as well, like not just playing the music. It's obviously what interaction correct. is that what you're talking about?
0: Well, some interaction, but also the visual thing because yeah, you know, kiss was big then too, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I used to do a lot of uh, school dances as well, and uh, RSL clubs and you know leagues clubs and all those sort of things. Used to have these disco nights, uh, and so I wanted to put on a show. So we used to have smoke bombs. Like, you know, uh, I mean, you could do this then. I know you get away with it now, but the first song used to be Van Halen. when you really got me. So you have the, you know, the, the wrist coming out of one, one channel on one side and then the other side. So the smoke bomb would go off off the left side and the smoke bomb would go off on the right side.
1: Oh,
0: wow. So I had a light operator that was detonating them. Yeah. And then the, I had a facade back in those days which had the Pink Floyd um, – you know, uh, thing that, you know, when you open up the album cover, it's got the rainbow-coloured seismograph sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yep. That, that, that's painted, that was painted on my facade. Okay. And I used to kneel back behind it, and the third pod, pod would go off with the smoke right in front of me, and I'd jump up as if I appeared in the puff of smoke. Wow. <laughs> um, Bring it back, I, I say.
1: I reckon Serg should start every wedding with a smoke bomb. Can you imagine the crowd hysteria? They'd be like, yes, search everybody. That'd be unreal.
0: It would be, but uh, you can't even have a smoke machine these days or even dry ice in some places. Well, that so. is true.
1: <laughs> they've got this crazy law where they've got to pay a fire warden to be there in case the smoke alarms go off. But, you know,
0: there's yeah, way- that, there that would-
1: is ways around this, but we'll talk about that with other guests in upcoming episodes. <laughs>
0: So um so we had um I actually do stage impersonations and I, I you know climb speakers and all sorts of things. Wow, you were seriously
1: like the rock star of the DJ uh,
0: Well it uh, was a show in was Australia, yeah. It was a show. I wouldn't do that these days, but um Oh come on, that, Serge, that's... bring it back
1: <laughs> Bring back the entertainment. Uh, Plus. Like
0: a reunion tour.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Rightio. That'd be amazing. Uh, um, I'd I'd pay money to go and see that. Serge jumping off a, a stack of speakers on a stage and crowd diving and all that sort of fun stuff.
0: No, I didn't I didn't crowd dive. But we'd get people up and we'd get like school dancers would get people up and get them to do things and they'd win uh records because, you know, in those days you could get free promos off uh, record companies. Yeah. Uh, and the stuff that you couldn't play, you'd give away for free, obviously, because <laughs> some of it was crap. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, there <laughs> wasn't all good stuff that they'd give you. <laughs> there would have been
1: those records that um, you know they send to radio stations, hoping it's going to be a massive hit. Doesn't get played, and they've got to do something with it, so it ends up. Yeah, yeah cause
0: they give you a bunch of promos. You know, they yeah. promote promo only on it and all that That's sort of right. stuff, not to be sold, all that sort of stuff. On it.
1: But they bring many- me up once and. How many people actually peel those stickers off and actually did sell them over the years? I wonder.
0: Uh, they were printed on, actually. Oh, these ones I printed ones printed okay. on. Yeah. Uh, I used to. Uh, well, someone told me you could do that, so I just rang, you know, Universal and Warner's or whoever was around then, yeah. uh, Polydor probably or something. Um, and you know, hey, I'm a DJ. Can I get some? <laughs> can I get some records off you? Yeah. And might. some of them some of them wouldn't. And, you know, they'd ring up once a month and say, We've got a package here for you. You want to come pick it up? No problem. Wow. But, and there would be some good stuff in there, but there'd yeah. be a lot of crap.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Uh, so just give that away. Um, and then when we were getting into the RSL clubs and all that sort of stuff and, you know, trying to innovate and, and keep the job and get, pull in the, the punters sort of thing, I, I got I went to a dance studio and I said, You know, any girls want to come up and, and earn some money and uh, dance music, you know, wearing Scoopy gear, of course. Yeah. Um, and then that brought the guys in, you know, and they would come out and dance a couple of songs and go out, you know, for an hour and then come back and do a couple more songs and that sort of thing. And so, you know, it was just doing things differently. I thought it was, it was a show. It was more than just playing the music.
1: Yeah, so now you've got DJ Plus Entertainment. How have things changed? I mean, mostly uh, it would be weddings, I would imagine, that you do?
0: Almost solely weddings. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I have corporate on my website, but uh, I can't remember the last time I did one.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not targeting that market, to be honest.
1: Um, so how are weddings different to the old um, uh, Surge show, the DJ Rampage show?
0: Well, I'm, I've still got attention to detail. I think I've always had attention to detail. Um, so uh, I try and factor in everything. Uh, but they, I, I don't have the wild search. You don't have that anymore. It's more refined and
1: uh, more reserved, more elegant.
0: More reserved, yeah. I've probably gotten older, and I wouldn't do that stuff now. Um, I, you know, uh, it's a wedding. It's, it's not. It's not a performance. You know, it's not a place where you're supposed to be the star. Yeah. The, you know, the bride and groom are supposed to be the star. So, whereas in, in, you know, in the other scenario. You, you had to draw the people in. So you had to be, you know, not, not that I thought it was a star, but, you know, you had to be the entertainer and you, uh, you had to deliver on that. And, you know, I could just sat there and play music, but, you know, it's just what, you know, I mean, I don't know whether you're going to get thing, but, you know, Steve Bowen, people book Steve for a reason now because he entertains in various ways. and And that's what I was doing back then but um, for different reasons because that was the market I was targeting then whereas now I wouldn't do it because, So uh, it's,
1: all about, the, it's yeah, all about the bride and groom. So now, yeah, you, you do, it's all about the bride and groom. It's all about families, friends and including them in the uh, the celebration after the actual ceremony and photos and all that sort of stuff. Um, when it comes to uh, the extras, what, what kind of things do you do?
0: I Well... I don't have a lot of access. Like, I don't do photo booths. I don't do dancing on the cloud. I don't do uplighting. Uh, I don't do monograms. I don't do any of that stuff. The, the services I offer are a, a DJ MC ceremony coverage. Uh, I mean, I do do some special stuff, like um, I can do audio voiceovers and, and things like that.
1: Oh, tell uh, us about that. What, what What's involved with that?
0: Well, that's recording the couple um, and then uh, uh, mastering that, you yeah. know, what they've said into a song. It could be their first dance. It could be something else. Um, like I've done one with, like for instance, when I interviewed a couple, uh, I, one of the questions I asked them is, you know, "Are your parents attending the wedding?" And, um, and, it, it, you know, and then are they both coming and that sort of thing? And I had the lady, the bride, tell me that I know her dad passed away when she was he, she was fifteen. Uh, she was about twenty-eight at this point. Um, and for some reason, she went on and told me that, oh, when, when um, he passed away, I wrote a poem for him. And, and I just noted that and we kept going. As we got into the consultation a bit more, they, they were looking at ceremony coverage. You know, and I who's walking you down the aisle? Because she had a brother. I didn't know whether it was going to be the brother or the mother that was going to walk you down the aisle. She said, oh, mum's going to walk me down the aisle. And I said, look, you know how you told me that you wrote this poem for your dad? Uh, and I suggested to her, how would you feel about recording that poem? And we play it, uh, you know, as your mum walks you down the, the aisle as a tribute to your dad. You know, she burst into tears. She loved the idea. Um, and we did that. We actually did that. We recorded it. And uh, as she's walking down the aisle, we played this message to her dad, which is it wasn't the actual poem because when she revisited, revisited it, she thought it was a bit childish because she has been at the time she wrote something else, and it was really beautiful. It wasn't sad at all, um, but it had, it impacted everyone Yeah, uh, you know, right at the start of the ceremony <laughs> as the mother's walking it down the aisle.
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible um, hearing a, a story like that and really connecting with the people involved in the wedding and, and moving people with, um, I guess well, you could say, moments or creating moments like you did with that.
0: that. That's exactly what I like to do. I like to create a lot of moments at weddings. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a real hopeless romantic. I'm, a, you know, <laughs> really corny that way, um, and I believe emotion is what creates memories.
1: So, so, so let me guess—you've got the notebook on DVD at your place?
0: No, I don't have it on DVD. No. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to this day. you can watch it anytime on netflix or something you yeah know, like. true, true.
1: <laughs> dvd who and has then, DVDs these days anyway
0: <laughs> yeah that's right it, it, it's not high definition anymore like you know, you know oh you know. yes
1: of course i forgot about the whole um 4k uh sensory experience that you can now get
0: <laughs> so um yeah so that you know so one of the things i uh, depends on the couple of course but you know If you can get people to laugh, if you can get people to shed tears of happiness, if you can get them to feel anticipation and exhilaration and and a whole range of beautiful emotions, they remember that wedding because they're now connected to it. And, you know, and and that's what I like to do. I really love that. Um,
1: I remember a quote that um, once said something that um, people won't always remember what you said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And uh, cre- creating um, like uh, moments like that and, and, and memories really um, sticks with people, and it's it's good for you as a, a performer and uh, recommendations down the track as well.
0: Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I get comments uh, you know on my Facebook page occasionally, not always, but you know uh, anyone that follows my Facebook page knows that I, I do wish my couples an uh, you know happy anniversary every year in most cases because some of them unfortunately. Do break up, and I <laughs> I don't do that to them anymore. but <laughs> I don't wish them a happy anniversary anymore. But um, and occasionally one of those brides will pop in, and I, you know, it might be five, eight years ago, or uh, something like that. And yeah, they're not not even they haven't liked my page. I know they haven't liked my page, but somehow or other it comes up in their feed, and they make a comment. And it says that you know that people still talk about their wedding, and it's because how we made them feel. That's why, because they remember. Yeah, you know. Um, and that, that's what means the most to me because your wedding's over and then after that what have you got you got photos and you got memories yep. or a video if that. and I want to add to the memories so
1: yeah it sounds like um, a magical touch and um, having, having that experience um, from when you did start to where you are now is um, really paid off um, in terms of giving you uh, an edge I guess in a what can be a competitive uh, industry
0: Yes, well, I don't see anybody as a competitor. I see them as colleagues. Number one, which is which is why I'm part of the DJWA because otherwise I, like, oh, I wouldn't be part of that either. Um, and um, it's it's not about competition, you know. Um, it's about making a difference. You know, one of my, one of my aims is again, I'm a hopeless romantic, so it might be corny to some people, but if I can create special moments at a wedding and sometime in the future if the couple are having some struggles and you know and they're arguing or whatever they have some difficulties but, you know i would hope that maybe they can think back to how they were feeling on their wedding day and maybe some of the moments that maybe i had an input into and by thinking about that they find the strength to maybe try and work through it you know just remember how they were feeling and how they felt for each other then that gives them that strength you know yeah. Probably a pipe dream, but that's what I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a beautiful skill, and it sounds like it's uh, very um, appreciated by your clients. Um, that's for sure. So, tell us about the DJ Double A. Um, you mentioned that uh, briefly just before.
0: DJ uh, DJ Alliance of Australasia. It, it was actually formed by Peter DeWeaver initially uh, as, as the DJ Alliance Australia, um, and it was owned by Pete, and it was uh, really set up as a commercial sort of thing. Um, like a, a commercial association. At some point along the line, I did get, I got in contact with uh, Glenn Mackay because um, he was talking to Mark Farrell about bringing Mark Farrell out here, and I heard about that and bringing him out here, and I wanted to do his workshops. And um, and he met, you know and he spoke to Pete, and then Pete rang up to harass me about uh, trying to join the DJWA. And at the time, I was looking at forming my own DJ association. And I was doing a whole heap of research into that. And, and I told him that. And I said, look, I might, I'll probably end up joining because I knew it existed. But I just want to see you know, where, where it goes because I might do my own thing. And then when I did the research, I worked out that it wasn't viable. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that I'd be throwing a whole bit of money down a bottomless pit, basically. Yeah. Um, and so, but I wanted to make a difference in the industry and I want the industry to be improved and I want the industry to be regarded as professionals, you know, like a, a proper industry, not weekend warriors sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, or part-time, cash-on-the-side type of profession. And so I, I joined. And, and then the next step with that, of course, was uh, to uh, you know, put my head in the ring for the, for the committee, which um, we, we sort of did when it, while it was still off Australia, before it became Australasia. And then Pete decided that um, it wasn't worthwhile doing it as, as a, you know, a private venture, and he turned it over to us. And he said, "Let's turn it to an association," which we did. And uh, Brian Davis and myself uh, did to work on that, and we converted to an association
1: uh, in
0: uh, 2014, I think it was. And we became, and because Australia was, built, was taken. We decided to include New Zealand, call it Australasia.
1: Oh wow! I didn't realize that was the reason behind it all.
0: Well, we want to. We we're going to keep it Australia, but we we're going to keep include New Zealand anyway, and then it just made sense because we couldn't take it because Pete had that name. Yep. And yeah, they said it. and even and but they gave us Australasia. I said, oh, "Cool, that's that works for us." Wow. And, um, and so, Australasia was born. That was that's
1: that's that's an incredible story. Correct.
0: Yeah. So, so we were actually uh, an association way before we uh, announced it, or a few months before we announced it, because we became a, we registered in New South Wales, uh, and uh, then we converted that to a national. And we didn't announce it to our uh, second national conference. Then these days it's called Beatmix, but our national conference then, uh, which was in Ballarat, is when we announced it. And. Um, and we've been that way ever since. So, you know, it's owned by the members. It's um, members vote for the committee. And it's, it's run by the members. So the members decide everything. For any change, you know, we need... We need uh, we have nine people on the committee. We need uh, five people to, you know, to grease something, to get something to happen. Um, well, a constitution change requires uh, 75% of the membership to vote for something. So it's not like we can change anything. If we want to change something in the constitution... It goes to the members, and we need seventy-five percent to vote for something to get changed. So um, it's owned by the members, so no one can have their own way, basically. So the idea is that it will always represent what the members want.
1: Yeah, that's that's a, a very good idea. And um, following um, that uh, compliance uh, really makes it a members' um, group instead of um, you know someone's personal group that makes all the
0: decisions. Correct and. Uh, And the other, you know, one of the core things with that is one, one was to raise professionalism and and that of course involves education. Now, you you don't need any education to become a DJ. You know, anybody today can say, I'm going to be a DJ. They can buy, and it's a lot easier now than what it used to be. Uh, you know, you can buy equipment relatively cheaply. Um, music is, you know, it wasn't like you had to go and buy a record library like when I started. (laughs) Um, you can buy things digitally, um, it's a lot cheaper, you know, a couple of thousand dollars you're in business, whereas it was a couple of thousand dollars then, but, you know, like that was a lot of money then. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely.
0: <laughs> you know, that, that was a lot of money. And, um, and, and you, so like, you know, if, if you're a, 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 an accountant or something, you've got to go and do some study before you become an accountant. you know, you've got to go to uni, you got to get some qualifications.
1: You've you got a background in accounting yourself, don't you?
0: Yes, I do. Yeah. You know, I'm a qualified accountant. While I was, I don't pay for it anymore because I don't, I don't practice it anymore. But um, but I'm a qualified accountant. Yes. Yeah, and let's um, talk, let's talk very...
1: about um, the the annual conference um, being Beatmix, which has uh, been rebranded recently. Um, how does that work?
0: Well, it's once a year. It's part of that educa- part of that thing, was the education was to provide. Something that DJs could come to and learn more because um, most DJs know how to mix and they know the music part of it and all that, but where they fail is they don't really know how to run a business because they think they're great at mixing. That's all they need, and, and that's fine. But you're, you know, in, in a business, you also need to do the marketing, you need to do the sales, you need to do the, the HR if you've got staff. You know, you've got to do all those sort of things, and and they don't do that properly. And also, if they don't know duty counting properly, and they work out that they're actually making money, they go broke. They actually lose money. Um, and if they've got a full time job, that a lot of them don't realise that their uh, full time job is actually subsidising their part time job. You know. Uh, and so education is vital to that. And and the conference is one way we can deliver that basically so it's not all you know, it's not all boring stuff obviously I <laughs> like that We try and have some fun stuff as well and uh, in more recent times we have more music and performance based uh, topics as well because that's what people want so we try and, we're trying to balance that more but we still have marketing we have social media we have uh, motivational just plain motivational thing just to inspire people to be better you know and things like
1: that. Um, Let's talk about the presenters uh, who actually present these presentations. Are they uh, just members of the DJ Alliance of Australasia, or are they just um, people that want to share their uh, specialty, I guess, um, with the DJ community?
0: Well, we've had both. I mean, I mean, the initial ones we had me- members, obviously, uh, and a lot of them were just the committee members because uh, we were. You know, we didn't have any money, <laughs> and we couldn't pay anyone, and we still can't most times. Um, so we did it ourselves. But uh, as, as each conference has, you know, progressed, we've had external presenters. Some have been paid, some haven't been paid, um, and, and we've had other DJs, whether they're members or they're not members, come and present. You know, it's open to anyone. We're, we're not. We're not. You, know, you don't have to be a member to participate. Uh, members. Get a discount. Obviously, that's a benefit of being a member, but um, you don't need to be a member. We don't try and force anyone to become a member. I mean, obviously, in order for the DJAA to grow, we need more membership. But you know, we're not going to push that down people's throats. Uh, they, they want. They want to have to be a member. You know, they want. They want to want to be a member. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. That's what they usually say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But 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 you know we share a lot uh, and um, we, we you know we, we try and help each other grow and it's great to have people that you can talk to. Like can um, I can ring someone in Brisbane or Melbourne if I've got an issue with an event, you know, and, and talk it through with them. All, you know, and and they can do the same. What would you do in this case? You know, that sort of thing, and just get those ideas and and work out the best way that's going to work for you. You know, you don't have to take them all on board, but just just talking to someone that you know that. Uh, got your best interests at heart overall it's fantastic. You know? Um,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's Very, very, uh, yeah. very proactive. And the industry as a whole has certainly uh, gone a, a long way since the beginning back when you started. I mean, you probably felt quite um, isolated and, and you didn't really know who else to ask for advice back then. It was everyone sort of kept to themselves and there was competition and the attitude, um, with the internet and, and Facebook groups and, and working together has um, been beneficial for not only the, the DJs, but also the clients.
0: Yes. Yes. Everybody benefits. Um, because if you improve uh, your service and, and your attitude and, and your knowledge, but your skill and your base and skill and all that sort of thing, the client's going to benefit. They're going to get a better service, you know, so um, they're going to benefit. And it, uh, Because really a client wants their problem solved. They want something, regardless if it's not at the wedding or not. You know, if it's their 21st birthday party, they want this certain thing for their party. If you can deliver that, you can solve their problem and deliver that, you know, they're going to be really, really happy. And they'll probably pay you more than what you think you're worth as well, uh, if you're able to do that.
1: Absolutely. And that's a great way to uh, end this chat. Serge, thank you so much for taking out your time to uh, talk to us on our very first episode of the Australian Mobile DJs podcast. And um, I hope uh, some people can reach out to you if they've got any questions to anything that you've said in this podcast. How do they get in touch?
0: Sure. They they can uh, contact me through my website, djplus.com.au, or through the DJAA website. Uh, djaa.org.au, or even the beatmix one, which is beatmix.com.au.
1: There you have it, everyone. One of Australia's (laughs) longest-serving mobile DJs is still in business and doing very well, might I add. Serge from DJ Plus Entertainment, our guest number one on the podcast for the Australian mobile DJs. You can contact me. My name is DJ Bevo. You can send me an email via djbevo at me.com or via the Australian Mobile DJ's Facebook page. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast and we look forward to many happy returns.
0: The Australian Mobile DJ Podcast was hosted by DJ Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions.